in your Bibles, please, for our second reading to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots, and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. (coughs) Excuse me. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house, and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard, and hath not yet eaten of it? Let him also go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man eat of it. And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man take her. And all the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. And it shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. When thou comest nigh unto a city to fight against it, then proclaim peace unto it. And it shall be, if it make thee answer of peace and open unto thee, then it shall be that all the people that is found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. And if it, w- if it will make no peace with thee, but will make war against thee, then thou shalt besiege it. And when the Lord thy God hath delivered it into thine hands, thou shalt smite every male thereof with the edge of the sword. But the women, and the little ones, and the cattle, and all that is in the city, even all the spoil thereof, shalt thou take unto thyself, and thou shalt eat the spoil of thine enemies, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee, which are not the cities of these nations. But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that they teach you not to do after all their abominations, which they have done unto their gods, 
so should ye sin against the Lord your God. When thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them, for thou mayest eat of them, and thou shalt not cut them down, for the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Only the trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat, thou shalt destroy and cut them down, and thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Remember I told you last week that that there were some things in Deuteronomy 19, and we'll see also in 20 and 21, that deal with the sixth commandment. Certainly, thou shalt not kill is a commandment that is involved with the concept of shall we do war or not? Shall we make war or shall we not make war? Let us remember that while we have uh, well-meaning brethren that would be called pacifists, that war is always to be avoided, that that is not the Bible's way. The Bible does speak of just war. And we can see that in this passage as a necessary implication from uh, this chapter. First of all, notice that there is a time when the children of Israel are going out to battle against their enemies. And they will see, they will behold in their enemy a greater force than themselves. Well, normally, if you see a greater force than yourself in your enemy, you are mindful to say, uh, just kidding, right? You would, you would cease prosecuting that war immediately. But notice there is a cause at stake here where, whereby they are not permitted to draw back from that. They're not permitted. They must do this battle. This is a necessary battle, and it's not contingent upon whether or not the enemy is of a greater force or not. It's not contingent upon that. So the Lord will tell them, when war is just, and you must go forward, if your cause is just, don't concern yourself with the size of the force. Don't let that figure in to whether or not you make war. Whether or not you make war has to do with the justice of the cause itself. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? If your cause is just, you needn't fear if it's a superior force. You go forth. Don't be afraid of them. Why? Because the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And then he will remind them how he fought for them coming out of Egypt. So then, notice verse 2, And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle, the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. Notice that war is a religious thing for the Israelites, as it should be for us as well. That is, the priest comes as the representative of the, of the Lord himself and the teacher of the word of God to validate to them that the cause that they're undertaking is a just cause. And we'll not take the time to go into you know, Augustine's, say, just war theory. But mostly, for, you know, for the Cliff Notes version, generally we speak of just war being a defensive war. 
generally speaking. Not always, but generally. It's a defensive battle that you're fighting. There's been some land of yours taken. You need to go take it back. The Lord God gave you this land, so you have to go get it back. Otherwise, you're telling the Lord, your your gift to us means very little to us. Right? And remember what land was promised. It was from the sea to the river. Not the river Jordan. The great river, the river Euphrates. And in the days of Solomon, we will remember that Solomon had influence all the way to Euphrates. So we have to remember that, that that the Lord had given them much more than that narrow track between Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea. He actually told them that their lands would extend all the way to the Euphrates River. And as as an encouragement to them that they would remain dominant in that land as long as they obeyed the Lord. And that when they turned away from the Lord, they would lose it all. And they did, because they turned away. Beloved, there's a proper right of self-defense in the scripture. This works for nations, it works for families, it works for individuals. Now, we don't use that as an excuse to be rapacious, as an excuse to be violent. But the sixth commandment includes just war. It includes the just putting to death after due process of murderers and other capital crimes. This is the Bible's teaching. So the priest comes forth first and he preaches them the word of God and tells them the Lord will be with you in your just cause. It's a religious thing. It's obedience to the Lord that they're undertaking here when they go out to battle. Don't you have respect for those ministers of state these days? Hard to find as they are in the world that understand their primary job is to protect their people? Instead of opening the gates and laying down arms. Beloved, the Lord builds up nations and he brings them down. And if the Lord has given you a border, protect it. I know that's a political thing to say. It's not. It's a biblical thing to say. And we respect those leaders of nations, don't we? who understand, even if it's only a natural understanding, rather than a Christian understanding, that their job is to protect their people. And that they are given the power of the sword exactly for that. So here we are then. Israel is to hear from the priest first. But then note also, they are not to consider the size of their army as well as the size of of the army of their enemy. And so then after the priest addresses them and assures them that the Lord will be with them in this just cause, then the elders of the people or the leaders, the political leaders of the people, they come forth. Notice there are two addresses made. There's a priestly address and then there's a civil address made. And in the civil address, what do they learn? Your cause is just. So if any of you are fearful or distracted, you can go home. We don't need your numbers. Isn't that amazing? They are to be absolutely convinced that their cause is just. They are to be able in their own conscience to go forward in this. 
And the way they know that they will be able to do that is because they will not consider the size of their enemy and they will not consider the size of their own army. This isn't a sort of natural or, or a fearful panic when they go to war. We need all hands on deck right now. None of that. If you're fearful, if you are distracted, if you have a new vineyard, a new wife, a new yoke of oxen, new property, go home and take care of that. We're not so strapped here. The Lord is with us. He will fight for us. We don't want you distracting your brethren or we don't want you discouraging your brethren. If you're not 100% with us, go home. If you can't conscientiously put yourself behind this this conflict 100%, then go home. We're not so strapped for numbers here. And then after the civil leaders have made an end of addressing them like that, and they've told them that they can go home after all of those conditions, betrothed the wife, uh, uh, built a new house, Uh, planted a vineyard and so on and then fearful and it shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people then they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people so they make captains of those who are absolutely dedicated to the fight alright so now we have instructions in verses 10 through 18 (coughs) on how you make war What's the first thing you do in a just war scenario? You sue for peace. You recognize that conflict is not what you want in the end. You would rather sue for peace. These cities, your enemies that have taken lands that belong to you, the first thing you do is you go to that city and you sue for peace. You don't start with lobbing a fireball over the wall. You sue for peace. And if they will make peace with you, they will become your tributa- their tributaries. And beloved, let me say it this way. There are no people that were better treated in the ancient world than those who came under tribute to Israel. They took care of their tributaries, didn't they? They did. And the Gibeonites proved that. There was no greater uh, status than either being in Israel or being a tributary to Israel. That was the nation that God had blessed. They came under the preaching of the gospel as well. What a wonderful thing that would be for any city to say, you know what? The God of heaven is is among the Israelites. Let's serve them. That we might know that God of heaven as well. If they won't, then you have to make war with it. And not if, but when you get the victory, you put to the sword all of the males in that city. And you can keep the females, the ladies, and the children unto yourselves. And they can live among you as wives. They can become Israelites. They can be circumcised. All of that can take place. They will become part of the covenant nation, either as servants Or as full members. And when they do that, then uh, you will will take all of that spoil to, to yourselves. Why? Because this was a just 
cause. It was a just cause. But those are the cities that are far off from you. The, the land of Canaan that God gave to them, that, that had that, those seven tribes in it, that could not be uh, saved. Those people had to come down. They were usurpers on that land, and you'll remember that from the Table of Nations back in um, uh, Genesis 10. The Canaanites were given the land of Ethiopia and so on, and they usurped the land that was promised to Abraham. Right? And so the Lord brought the sons of Abraham, the children of Abraham, back into that land and gave them that land. And then they squandered it through unbelief. And that's the sad part, right? They squandered it through unbelief. Okay, so then in verse 19, we'll learn something else about war. And that is, there is no such thing as a righteous scorched earth policy. No such thing. We've suffered that even in our own nation, have we not? Right? Where an invading army came into another portion of the country and in its wake left a trail of destruction and burning forests and homes and so on. Beloved, that's wickedness. That's all it is. What are they to do? They are not to go in that kind of extremity. And this is the thing. If God is your God and He is fighting for you, then you won't count the extremity of being overmatched. You won't have to have all hands on deck because you're fearful. And you won't have to destroy the land in order to take it. Because God fights for you. And so you don't take those fruit trees and tear them down and burn them down so that I can't eat them and nobody else can either. You don't leave a wake of destruction behind you. The only trees you take down are the trees that God has given for building and not for food. And those you take down and make use of in your doing war. And so, beloved, chapter 20 is, yeah, it's an Old Testament passage, and there are some things that are endemic to the Old Testament in it that don't apply to us. But there are so many good things to apply to us here that we can even learn as Christians that there's a Christian way in obedience to go to war. Conscientiously, fearlessly, that even if we die, we go to be with the Lord. Beloved, remember that there was a conflict in our own land like that and that many went to their death believing in the Lord that there were forces on on the on the side where they would meet in the morning and the general would call his captains together and they would pray for the widows that were about to be made that day they understood the business they were about right but they went fearlessly they believed as was said by one of those generals, that they were as safe in their beds as they were on the battlefield because God was their God. Oh, for a faith like that. And may I say that in our modern age, we have very, very few examples of such kind of of battling and making war. It's a grievous thing. Yet, 
God is angry with us for our disobedience to him. And so he has sent destroyers. Let us not be of those who would take the mindset, tactics, and methods of the destroyers. Rather, let us give answer to the Lord. All right, with that, Deuteronomy chapter 20, let's stand.